Music with a message on KFUO. I'm Gary. This is the Midday Moments program, and it's time now for our moment on the lighter side. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been talking to a person who the Bible calls the rich young man. It turns out that he was there at the crucifixion of Jesus. He describes himself as a ear witness. He's been sharing with us the words that Jesus said from the cross. The thing is, though, sir, you actually left one of Jesus' words from the cross out the word that was spoken to the thief on the cross. Today you would be in paradise. It was like you forgot Jesus even said that. Last week you said you may have unconsciously blocked that out. Can you explain what you meant by that? Well, I, I think we all have memories we, we try to suppress. It's not always because they are bad things. It's it's just because they have such an emotional attachment to us, we're afraid to bring them up. If we do so, we may not be able to control our emotions. Why, why we might even cry. Uh, take the 23rd Psalm, for instance. There is no more beautiful word of God, but some people don't want to hear that psalm, for it brings back memories of the funerals of those who are dear to them. So why would Jesus' words to the thief have such an emotional impact on you? Well, because I was that thief who hung on the cross next wait, to him. Wait a, wait a second. I thought you told us you were the rich young man. Now you're saying you're the thief on the cross? I, I am both and, and the same. But how does a rich young man become a common criminal? Oh, it's, it's really not all that difficult. Before I met Jesus, I had scrupulously kept all of God's commandments, or in reflection, at least all of the commandments of the second table of the law. I, I heeded the words, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. The thought of me becoming a criminal had, had never crossed my mind. So what changed? I had kept all of those laws so that I might gain eternal life. In fact, if you remember, I had come to Jesus asking if there was anything else I needed to do, thinking full well that he would praise me for my good works and invite me to join his merry band. Yeah, but instead, he suggested there was more you needed to do to inherit eternal life. He told you you should sell all that you had and give it to the poor. So why didn't you just do that? Well, the answer is simple. I didn't do what Jesus said because I had great possessions. You see, it, it turns out I really didn't want eternal life. What I wanted was what I had, a, a good, rich life here and now. In retrospect, I, I was keeping the commandments not for eternity, but so that God would bless me here on earth. If that's the case, why did you go away sad? Well, because the truth is, I, I think, Gary, somewhere in my conscience, I believe what Jesus said to me. I knew he was right. I had all the money a man could want, an abundance of good works, but but I knew something was missing. Well, well that's why I had come to him in the first place. But now, think of it, my, my situation was hopeless. I, I knew Jesus was right. I, I knew what I needed to do, but it was the one thing I couldn't do. Oh, okay, but I'm still not sure how this led you to become a common criminal. Well, well, think about it. All these years, I kept the law, thinking it would gain me eternal life. But here in one fell swoop, I had learned my efforts were futile. I, I began to think, if keeping the law would not gain eternal life for me, well, then why be bothered? Why not just enjoy the earthly blessings I had to the fullest extent? So I decided I, I would become a prodigal. So you left home and led a life of debauchery? Well, as a matter of fact, I did. But you don't understand the true meaning of the word prodigal. I don't? 
Well, yes, most people, like you, think to be prodigal means to live a life of immorality. That's not what it means at all. It, it simply means to be profligate. And what does that mean? <laughs> okay. It means to be recklessly extravagant, to be bountiful, uh, generous to a fault. That's what it means to be prodigal. Uh, when I think back on those days, it makes me chuckle. For I was doing exactly what Jesus had told me to do. I was giving my money to the poor, the poor barman, the poor prostitutes, the poor toadies who attached themselves to rich men like me. I spent my money as if it had no end. So you're kind of living your life like Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, what happened next? Well, unfortunately, it, it did have an end. As I told you earlier, I got my money the old-fashioned way. I inherited it. I had no job, no renewable source of income. When the money was gone, the money was gone. Like the prodigal in the parable, did you hire yourself out to a citizen of that country who sent you into the fields to feed his pigs? Well, of course not. I don't think Charlie Sheen would do that either. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Although, you know, I guess Sheen and my ending would be much better if, if, if we had. No, I was not strong enough to do manual labor and too proud to beg. And so you became a thief. Well, now, if you mean that I start robbing people on the road to Jericho, of course not. But in my prodigal days, I had met a number of friends who knew how to make money in, uh, let's say, uh, less than honest ways. Uh, deception, fraud, gambling. Even in my righteous days, I was familiar with such things. So how would you know about those things in your righteous days? Well, as a rich young man, I was well acquainted with the influential people of the day. I had been around Pharisees and priests, and you know what the Bible says about them. They devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. In fact, I often comforted myself with the thought that what I was doing was not so different than what the religious people of my day did. And regardless of the morality of my actions, the chief benefit was that the Roman government looked the other way on this type of thievery. So if, like Charlie Sheen, you thought you were winning, how did you happen to end up getting yourself arrested and crucified? Well, you know the old saying... Honor amongst thieves? Yeah, I know that one. It's an absolute lie. There is no honor amongst thieves, only thievery. After one particularly profitable score, I believe you call it, there was a controversy amongst my partners as to dividing the spoils. I found out one man had already set aside a sizable portion for himself without telling the rest of us. In a rage, I killed him. I stabbed him through the heart. And to that, unfortunately, the Roman government would not turn a blind eye. So that's how you ended up being arrested and condemned to die on a cross? By the way, did you know that Jesus was also going to be crucified that day? You know, you know I, I knew something was going on. He, even in Herod's dungeon, there were stories about Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, rumors of plots to kill him. But if you mean, did I know that that day— on a cross next to mine, would hang my former rabbi? <laughs> no, I was completely surprised. How did you respond when you saw him? Well, you know what the Bible says. Like everyone else, I mocked him. Save yourself and save us, I said. Of course, my mockery was a little more personal and a little more vehement 
Why would that be? Why would that? Why would that be? Because what was happening to me was, was all Jesus' fault, if you think about it. If it wasn't for Jesus, I would have been leading a life of ease as a rich, faithful Jew. It was him and his give it all away to the poor that made me what I was. Don't tell me that you were the thief that cursed and mocked Jesus. Well, well yes, I was. At, at first, as I think about it, there, there was no reason why Jesus should have treated me differently than any of the others there that day. But thank God, I was the one to whom he said. Today, you will be with me in paradise. So what changed things for you? Well, the change didn't happen in some simple, organized fashion. In a way, day things were all kind of mixed together. Uh, certainly, some of the other words Jesus said from the cross influenced me. The way he suffered, even as I suffered, crying out, I thirst. And yet, even in this suffering, he, he was still thinking of others, taking care of his mother with the words, Mother, behold your son, son, behold your mother. But why did those words impact you so? Well, as I told you earlier, I had offered my services to Jesus. I had thoroughly checked him out. Even after I walked away from Jesus months ago, I, I still tried to follow his story as best as I could. And these words of Jesus reminded me that whatever personal grudge I might have had against him, he certainly didn't deserve to be crucified. He had never murdered anyone or stolen from them. Gary, I, I began to realize I was receiving the due reward for my deeds. But to my knowledge, Jesus had never done anything wrong. I can see where crucifixion gives a man much time to contemplate his own sinfulness. But where in the world did you get the courage to ask Jesus to remember you in his kingdom? Now, if I were in your place after the way I walked away from Jesus, after the life of crime that I led, after mocking and cursing Jesus, I, I would have figured Jesus would have nothing to do with me. I thought that too. But but there was something that Jesus said that changed my mind. What was that? It, it was the prayer. He prayed first off, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. True at first. I, I, I thought it was just some typical Jesus religious piety. But then it dawned on me. He, he meant what he said. He very well could have been praying that prayer for me. Maybe this chain of events was not just a cruel accident. True, where I found myself was the result of my own wickedness. But perhaps it was not a fluke that Jesus was hanging next to me. Could it be that this was planned? That these were the words Jesus wanted me to hear all along? What did I have to lose? Despairing of my flesh, but also with a newfound faith of heart, I cried, remember me when you come in your kingdom. In response, you heard the words that all of us Christians hope to hear someday, right? Yes. Today you will be with me in paradise. Of course, that was not the end of things then and there. The struggle would go on for a little while longer. There were other words I would hear. Some, some would frighten me. Like what? Oh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? At first I thought I had been mistaken. Perhaps Jesus was just as helpless as I was. That it was true, he couldn't save himself. How could he save me? But but then, then thank God, there, there were other words that comforted me, that, that set my mind at peace. And what were those words? Uh, the words, it is finished. But, but most of all, the words, Father... Into thy hands I commend my spirit. I, I realized that in Jesus' cry of rejection, he was simply joining me in my forsakenness. And by joining me, I would never now uh, be alone. I began to understand his work of salvation for the world was finished, but more importantly, his work for my salvation was finished. I knew he was going to his Father. I knew he had prayed to the Father on my behalf. I knew I would be with him and the Father in paradise that very day, just as he said. 
You know, this is a very, very touching story. (laughs) Well, don't be so impressed. Everything I've said, you can find for yourself in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Actually, as the Scripture tells us, as the Spirit gives them faith through the words of Scripture, they believe for the same reason I believed, because they hear the words of Jesus. Again, thank you for what you shared with us. This is, like I said before, a very touching story. I wish you the best and blessed Easter to you. And it's been great talking with you too, Gary, and a blessed Easter to you as well. We are the messenger of good news worldwide at KFUO.org, AM 850 in the St. Louis region.